It's such a delight to be up here again speaking. We're continuing in Matthew's Gospel this morning. Um, I hope that so far you've felt like you've been able to just engage in the teaching that we're going through and walk through it with us. Um, so far we've looked at John the Baptist, Jesus' baptism out in the wilderness and then calling his first disciples and doing these miracles as he launches his ministry. And what it tells us is that as he's uh, doing these miracles, as he's performing these works, as he's calling the disciples, what starts to happen is this crowd, this buzz, starts to build around Jesus. And as this crowd has gathered, of no doubt thousands of people at this point, Jesus sees the opportunity to sit down and deliver. I know when I speak, you think it's the greatest sermon you've ever heard. But this really is the greatest sermon that's ever been given. Uh, it, is, uh, it is an incredible teaching. And that's what we're launching into this morning, the Sermon on the Mount. We start this kind of mini-series within a series of going through Jesus' teachings and asking how they still apply to our lives today. Uh, they are life-transforming. They are completely relevant for today. Taught 2,000 years ago, the cha- there has never been a change in just how powerful, how much they can impact our lives today. Amen. So let's pray, and then we're gonna um, we're gonna jump into uh, the start of this sermon. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your teaching. We thank you that you walked with your uh, with your people. You came to be with us, Jesus. <laughs> we need your Holy Spirit to help us understand your word. We need your power to transform our lives. Lord, we, we are going to hit on a, on a scripture that people know very well, but it's you who brings a newness to it. It's you who makes it life transforming for us. So Jesus, we ask you to move in power. Amen. Okay, so we're going to read Matthew 5, uh, 1 to 12. Now, if you don't have a Bible, you are welcome to go and grab one from the back real quick. Uh, you can keep it if you don't have one at home free of charge. Uh, But if you have one with you, or if you have a note-taking system, I'd really encourage you to keep it open throughout me speaking through it, um, because we're going to kind of divide them up a little bit and point some things out that maybe you haven't noticed before. There's a pattern and there's a beauty to the Beatitudes, and you might want to scribble or just in pencil or uh, any, you know, write down in a notebook. So just stick with me as we go. But let's read Matthew 5, 1 to 12. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. That's the position of a teacher, sitting down. This is the opposite, by the way, to the biblical teaching right here. Because, you know, I should be sat down, you should be stood up. Stops you falling asleep. That's what they used to do. So, just if you fall asleep, I'm going to make you stand up. Okay. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsify 
uh, and falsify, say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Okay, so there's a lot in there. Uh, and sorry, that's a bit small. <laughs> I really try. I honestly do try. And every time I get up here, I think that's too small. Um, uh, so we're going to focus on those um, verses between 3 and 10 there. And the reason is, is that's the main teaching of the Beatitudes. I know verse 11 sounds similar, but actually it's a kind of, he moves on in that part of the teaching. But we're going to focus specifically this morning on the Beatitudes, which is recognized between verses 3 and 10. Um, but before I get into that, I just want to talk about first about what it is to be blessed. Um, you, you sneeze in public or around someone who's friendly, what is the response? Bless you. Okay, we all say it. Uh, we all expect people to say it, right? Like it's rude if someone doesn't say it to you, right? Like, um, or, or when I write an email, my typical email sign-off is, if I know you, much love. That's kind of my, and I mean it, like much love to you. Um, but for people I'm not too familiar with, I write every blessing. I just, I do it. it just, it's like, just, it's a, it's a Christian sign-off. And I, and I do mean it. I wish them every blessing. Um, and when someone's having a hard time and they tell you they've had a hard day or, you know, they tell you a story about a kid who's fallen over and you go, oh, bless them, right? Like that, we do it out of like pity. We bless people, right? Anybody else or just me? Um, or when we look at people's lives, right? We see the car they drive or the house they live in or, and they say, yeah, God has really blessed us, right? Like that's kind of the Christian remark or response. God's really blessed us. Uh, when people see me play football, the people generally say, wow, that guy is blessed with talent, right? Like, I don't know why you're laughing. That's not a joke. Um, um, but right, when we see someone with a, nat a supernatural ability in my case, but it, you know, when people are talented, we say, wow, they're really blessed, right? Like they've been really blessed by God. Like they're so good at that. Uh, but the beatitude, you see, Jesus comes into a world with a worldview of what it is to be blessed. And, and what he's going to do throughout all of his teachings is he's going to bring in this kingdom that's just upside down in its thinking. Actually, the, the, he's going to twist everything and turn it upside down and it's going to be mind-bending. And that's what it should be. So Jesus talks about what it is to be blessed and it's, the, it's different from what we would count as being blessed today. And he explains what it is as, as disciples of him to be blessed in the kingdom. What does that look like? And I've broken this down into three separate points. The first point is going to look at the first four Beatitudes. And then I'm going to look at future blessing. And then I'm going to look at this, the, the last four Beatitudes. I know it sounds confusing. Stick with me as we go. Keep your Bible open. It'll help. Okay, so number one, what I'm going to look at is a broken blessing. A broken blessing. Jesus starts... People who are broken as being blessed. Jesus tells us that the people who are broken are blessed. So let's look at these first four Beatitudes. The first four Beatitudes. Uh, what they have in common is that they point to a spiritual weakness. He says, blessed are you who are poor in spirit. And poor in spirit is to acknowledge that you are spiritually bankrupt. It, it, it is 
to understand that as we come towards God in our relationship with Him, that we have absolutely nothing to offer Him. We declare bankruptcy before God. Uh, to be a person who, who believes that nothing about yourself, nothing about your family, nothing about the job that you hold, the position that you have, your respect in the community, your good works, it's understanding that none of them count when it comes to standing next to the holiness of God. That none of them count. That's what it is to, to, to be poor in spirit. Douglas O'Donnell is a theologian. I absolutely love him. He says, imagine that you are a beggar coming to the door of the kingdom without anything to get in. You don't have the keys. You don't have the password. You don't have anything. And you, you knock on the door of the kingdom and you ask the king to let you in. You ask the king to let you enter. And, and, and what you need to enter is the king's grace and mercy. And that's what it is. That's what it is to be poor in spirit, to understand your bankruptcy spiritually. And alongside being poor in spirit, Jesus almost gives us like the emotional, the emotional side, which is blessed are those who mourn. Now, I think at some point in our lives, everybody in this room knows what it is to mourn. And, and to understand that we can lose a job that we loved, we can not get a job that we really wanted. You can lose somebody that you really love. We talk about that being mourning, but it's so much deeper than that. It's, it's mourning your sins. It's understanding what you've done or, or the wrong that you've brought into the world. It's mourning your sins and it's mourning the sins of other people and how sin has poisoned the world. You just need to turn on the six o'clock news or the 10 o'clock news and watch it and see the sin that has entered this world, the sin that is destroying and poisoning the world that we live in. And it's having a heart that mourns that, that wants it to be gone, that is desperate, that prays for it to be relieved. It's, it's mourning people who are trafficked into slavery. It's mourning children who go hungry because their parents have used money to buy drugs. It's mourning those who won't accept the gospel because of their own pride. Jesus says that we are to be a people who grieve, who mourn how lost we are. So blessed are you if you're poor in spirit. Blessed and understand your own bankruptcy. Blessed are you if you mourn. Um, but also, blessed are those who are meek. Now, if you're a person that understands your standing with God, that you are bankrupt, and if you're a person who mourns the sin in the world, then your natural position is going to be to be a meek person, to, to be someone who isn't full of pride towards other people, someone who doesn't need to self-assert, you know, you're not going to be this big macho man, you're going to be a meek man. Meekness, of course, doesn't mean weakness. That's not what it means. It isn't someone who says, come over here and walk all over me. Rather, it's a person who says, let me come to you and walk a mile or two for you. That's what meekness is. It's being humble, gentle, and willing to serve, knowing where, what your standing is with God, it brings you to this place of meekness. So blessed are the poor in spirit who mourn, who are meek, and fourthly in this section, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those who want to be made righteous, they thirst for it. They hunger for it. They're desperate to be out of where they are now, have been unrighteous, unclean, unworthy, and instead to be brought into a position of righteousness 
before the King. We know that we're made righteous today by Jesus and Jesus alone, but we long for it. We long to be more like Him, right? So the upside down is here. Jesus is teaching that actually what the world says is blessed, is to be a blessing, actually is not right. Um, you know, and you can imagine the hearing for the people who were first hearing this from Jesus. Jesus is teaching in the first four Beatitudes that he can tell how blessed you are by what you think of yourself. Let me repeat that. He can tell how blessed you are by what you think of yourself. One of the most invasive and dangerous lies that we're taught today, and they were taught back then, is the, the, the lie of self. It's the opposite to what the Bible teaches. It's the opposite to what Jesus teaches. And it is everywhere. To express yourself. Believe in yourself. You have the power within yourself. You just need to try a little bit harder. You need, just need to buy my book. And, and you can just push yourself a little bit more. You just need to be more self-confident, self-reliant, trust in your own abilities. Be more self-assured in who you are. That's the answer. Jesus goes on to teach this in Luke 18, 10 to 13. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the best in society, the, the one who could really stand on who he is, you know. The other a tax collector, the worst in society, rejected by everybody, living a life of sin. The Pharisee, the best, he stood by himself and he prayed. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Anybody ever prayed that? <laughs> Just me. <laughs> Robbers, <clears throat> evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. Whew, how good am I? I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector, the worst in society, he stood at, dis at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast, repentance, and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Have mercy on me. Luke tells us why Jesus tells this story. He says, because there were people who were confident in their own righteousness. And, and the point of that story is, and, and the same four beatitudes that Jesus teaches about who is blessed in the kingdom Jesus is saying that you will never get the kingdom. You will never understand the good news of the gospel. You will never understand what he is doing unless you understand your need for God. Unless you understand your bankruptcy. Unless you understand your position before the Holy of Holies, before the King of all kings, before the Lord of all lords. Unless you understand that, you will never understand the kingdom. Pride, self-love, self-righteousness has no place in the kingdom of heaven. And those who rid themselves of these things, Jesus says, will be blessed when you rid yourself of these things. Okay, so broken blessing. Next, I want to look at... A few a future blessing. Is that me or is that you guys? A future blessing. Uh, secondly, 
the, the Beatitudes, all of them, they teach of a future blessing. This is so important for us. As, as we know as followers of Jesus, as we understand today, there's, there's a lot that we receive when we receive Christ. We receive everything that we need when we receive Him as our Lord and Saviour. But we know that the Bible speaks of more. It speaks of a future hope where Jesus will return and He will put all things right, where, where, where He will uh, wipe every tear from our eyes, where there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And the Beatitudes, they speak of, of this hope in the same way. The first and the last Beatitudes, verse 3 and verse 10, they have this isness. It's not a word, but they have this isness to them. Um, because they say theirs is the kingdom. It's a, it's a now thing. But the ones in between, they all say they will it, as a future event. So for those who are poor in spirit, for the first one, and those who are persecuted, there's this isness. There's this right now. It's happening right now. But all of the ones in between, we understand that we're currently part of the kingdom of heaven. However, there's this stress, there's this promise on what's to come. It says they shall be comforted. They shall inherit. They shall be satisfied. They shall see God. They shall be called sons of God. For us believers, we know that parts of these promises have already happened. They're already true. Right here, right now, today, we have some grasp, grasp don't we, of what it is to be sons and daughters of God. We have some comfort in the forgiveness of our sins. We have some sense of satisfaction as we worship God of, as it is to live out who we are in Christ. We have some vision of God, but, but we haven't yet inherited the earth. So there is this, there is this Right now has already happened, but there is this, it hasn't quite happened yet. And in the Beatitudes, the emphasis is on what's to come. It's on waiting. It's on trusting. It's on believing the opposite to what the world teaches, to these biblical values. We want to be people who wait and trust that God will sustain us even in our hardest moments. Please listen to this. If you remember nothing else, remember this this morning. You remember nothing else that I say. Please do not shipwreck your faith. Please do not wander from the track. Please run the race right to the end because what Jesus has promised us is worth waiting for. We live in this world of, of it's now. You, don't, you can have it now. Don't save up. Come down and we'll give you a new sofa now. You can take it away today. And you can just pay later. We have this instant gratification culture where we want everything and we want it now. We, 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 we don't want to wait. Yet with, as, as believers, we're called to, to persevere, to trust God, to, to keep pushing, to keep running, to keep, to keep going with Him, to allow Him to create perfection in us, which He will do. But we're called to keep going, to, to not give up, to not shipwreck our faith. How many people have you seen just fall away over your life, just shipwreck their faith and just to walk away from Jesus, to not trust and hold on to the promises of what is to come in their lives? Do we believe as followers of Jesus in delayed gratification? Are we people who hold out in faith for what, what God has promised to us? 2 Timothy 4.8, uh, Paul just got it. He just understood. In 2 Timothy 4 verse 8, he says, Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, 
which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Well, you know, when I meet him in the air, when, when he wipes away every tear, the Lord will he'll put a crown of righteousness on my head. And he says, and not only to me, but also to those who have longed for his appearing. There will be a day when the, the, the king of all kings will crown you with a crown of righteousness. Do we have a heavenly mindset of, of waiting for that day when he will call us home, brothers and sisters? This is not it. He will call you home and he will put all things right. Do we have that same heart that Paul had to say, for me to die is Christ, but to die, sorry, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. God's going to call me home one day. And we, and we believe that what is to come, what, what we're going to gain is so much better in the new heaven and the new earth. So much better. And we will find so much comfort and satisfaction and belonging. Do we believe that what is to come and what God has for us is so much better than what we already have? So much better than what this world can ever offer us, temporary. I've put together uh, in Revelation, I've put together some scripture that speaks of what it's going to look like on those final days and, and actually the promises of the Beatitudes fulfilled. This is what the Bible promises throughout Revelation. The scriptures are across the top. And I've stitched them together here. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, for they shall inherit the earth. And I saw the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And He will dwell with them. They will be His people. For they shall be called sons of God. And God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying, or pain. For they shall be comforted. For the old order of things has passed away. No longer will there be any curse. For they shall receive mercy. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city. And His servants will serve Him. They will see His face. For they shall see God. We have a promise of a future hope. And we want to be a people of faith for what God promises, for what Jesus has promised His followers, of a future blessing. Finally, a selfless blessing. So the last four Beatitudes. Uh, Jesus has pr promises to us this selfless blessing. Amanda, we need to hear this this morning. Now, uh, what we've been talking about is this promise of blessing both now and in the future. So Jesus promises you as his follower that you will be blessed now and in the future. But none of these beatitudes are about you. Have you noticed that? None of them are about you. <laughs> they are about other people or they are about God. None of these beatitudes say, blessed are the ones who look out for themselves Blessed are the ones who get their own back. No, the Beatitudes, they focus on God and they focus on other people or a combination of both. 
The first four Beatitudes, one scholar points out that they, 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 they are the Beatitudes of need. But the, the last four that we're just going to take a look at now is to finish, they're, these, uh, they're the Beatitudes of action. That They are actions that are pleasing to God because they are about loving others and loving God. So quick, in verse, verses 7 to 10, what we find is this call for you and me to self-denial. So let's take a quick look at the last four. Blessed are those who are merciful. Merciful, verse 7. Blessed are those who are merciful. One thing that is sure about this life, sure about every single person in this room, is that at some point in your life, somebody will hurt you. Just happens. It could be uh, someone that you really like, someone that you really love, someone that you really trust. It could be someone that you don't like, someone that you don't love and don't trust. But at some point, somebody will do something towards you that will hurt you, to treat you badly, to treat you unfairly. It happens to every single one of us. And Jesus asked the question, in those moments, are you merciful? Some people would have walked in the room this morning, you would have lost sleep last night or this week, you would have been frustrated or angry about someone hurting you this week. Someone doing something towards you that's really upset you. Someone said something, someone's acted in a certain way or let you down. Jesus says in these moments, are you merciful? Do you forgive and show mercy because you understand that you've received forgiveness and been shown mercy? Are you merciful? Do we, you know, do, we, do we go around just telling other people how terrible they are? Do we show mercy to them? Next, blessed are those who are pure in heart. That's those who are not motivated by self-interest, self-love, self-promotion or man's approval. It's those who have a pure heart towards God, wanting to serve Him, wanting to look to Him, wanting to bless other people. Blessed, we're going to fly through these now, but blessed are the peacemakers. <laughs> this one's a tough one. Those who bring peace to relationships. Those who bring peace in community. Those who bring peace in your home. Those who bring peace in your workplaces. Blessed are you who are peacemakers. Those who choose to bring harmony. To those who choose to believe the best in others. To see them how God sees them. Choosing never to gossip. Choosing never to backstab. Cho backstab. Choosing that when you have an issue with someone, like Jesus is going to go on to teach in Matthew 18, choosing to go to your brother and sister and, and, and bring your petition to them about the way that they've treated you, rather than spreading spreading. Um, Gossip and backstabbing and, and causing problems, actually being peacemakers, having peace in our hearts. And finally, blessed are those who are persecuted. That's those who are persecuted in this world for choosing to follow Jesus, for choosing to spread the gospel of Jesus, for choosing to call him king. And we still have brothers and sisters in our church around the world who are persecuted for this very thing. Jesus says, you are blessed. And what Jesus is saying in these last four Beatitudes, which is really important for us, is, is that when we do this, when we live in a way that, that, that 
is selflessly loving other people. Actually, what we find is we're blessed in return. Uh, a few years ago, uh, I was driving into town. I was living in Canada still. And I was driving into town. It's about 9.30 in the morning. I'm in the car. And as I'm driving along, I'm kind of on one of the back roads of the town. And I see an elderly lady. And she's just in a bad way. You can, I can just see from the car she's in a bad way. I pulled over. She's wearing a dressing gown and a nightie. She's out on the street, walking along the road um, at 9.30 in the morning. And she's clearly at some point had a fall or fallen in a bush or something. And she had cuts all the way down her legs. And she'd been bleeding at some point. It stopped bleeding. It kind of just dried up. But she was covered in blood. And she just looked a mess. She had bits of bush in her hair and all sorts of stuff going on. And I pulled over and I had just spoke to her and just said, are you okay? Where do you live? And she couldn't remember. And I took her to the, I said, look, can I, can I take you to the police station? Is that okay? And we'll find where you live. And she agreed and put her in the car, took her to the police station. And as we arrived, I walked in with this lady. I didn't know her name, didn't know where she lived. And there's this woman sat in reception reporting a missing mother with dementia. And the relief on her face when she saw this woman walk in. She saw her mother walk in with me. You know, when, when we do these things, you've probably got stories. I just could think of one like that. Really easy. When we do these things, when we stop and we help people, we selflessly care for people, how do you feel? Do you feel like depressed? Do you feel down? <laughs> do you feel sad? No, you feel delighted. You feel blessed that you were a blessing, right? Like, I'm blessed to be a blessing, right? Like, you feel blessed to be a blessing to people, right? And you see, the thing is, is that God's designed us to, be, to find fulfillment. This is what Jesus is teaching. God's designed us to find fulfillment and blessing when we stop living for ourselves and we start to live for God and for other people. Actually, what we find is not this depression, but actually a real lift in our hearts, a real blessing that pours out on us. This world, it tells us, to, teaches us and pushes it into us through TV shows and talk shows and podcasts and everything else. It tells us, look after number one. Charity starts at home. You know, we want instant gratification. We, want, we thirst for wealth and popularity and position and importance and fame. Whatever it is. And Jesus says, hey, there is no blessing in that. This, you want to be blessed in this life. You want to find blessing, eternal blessing. You humble yourself. You empty yourself. You fix your eyes on the kingdom of heaven. And one day, this new heaven and new earth. And you live a selfless life. You, you, you live by the greatest commandment, which is to love God and to love others. Jesus. Jesus embodied the Beatitudes perfectly. He was poor in spirit. Although not in the same way that you and I are, <laughs> because he was perfect. But while he was on earth, he daily depended on his Father in heaven and on the Spirit for everything. That's why he prayed so often. That's why, and, and for such long times, he didn't do anything unless he saw his Father do it. And Jesus mourned. He mourned the sin. Not his own sin, but Israel. And its rejection of the good news. 
And His meekness was there for all to see. Everyone to come take a joke. And what does He say? For I am gentle and humble of heart. This is God who is speaking. And humble of heart. He hungered and thirst for God's righteousness to invade earth. That's why he turned tables in the temple. And that's why he ate dinner with the of the sinners. He showed mercy. He brought peace. And finally, he was persecuted for righteousness' sake. <laughs> Would you stand? If you can, would you stand with me?